Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. So we heard that uh, your family recently went to Super Mario World, and I was wondering if you had anything to report. Yes. So yeah, as, as I mentioned on the episode with Marisha, I did not go. I did wait online to get my wife and daughter tickets because that's the kind of father and spouse I am. That's so uh, sweet. But they, uh, <laughs> well, okay, a little bit of a story here. So we did, uh, <laughs> this was last Sunday. We actually, we had a funeral to go to that morning. In the morning before the theme park. Correct. So I have a, a, an older cousin, and sadly her partner passed away fairly recently. A guy oh, in his you know, late 70s, early 80s. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. He was a really, really wonderful, cool guy. And so we went to his memorial service earlier that day. And so the first story about this is, this is, first of all, Audrey's first uh, funeral. Oh, uh, she no. never been to one before and she's eight and it's she understands like, death right like well it's very abstract to a kid she gets it she knows that you know for example my parents are dead or rachel's dad is like she's aware that it means that you're not around anymore but i think you know with all kids kids are remarkably direct and perceptive so mm-hmm. she gets it as much as a kid can Aww. uh i think that being said she's still a kid you know yeah and anyway, notoriously good at funerals. You know? Yes, <laughs> that was my. I was like, okay, listen, honey, this, you know, we're going to go to this. This is our our family member, and I wouldn't say I thought it was important that she go, but I wanted to go, and Rachel wanted to go, and so it's like, well, you know, we'll sit in the back. So it was at a a Jewish cemetery here in L.A., and uh, we wear, you know, I put on like a a blazer and a, a button down shirt. It's L.A., so even a funeral is still relatively informal, although people were wearing dark suits and ties. And Audrey, you know, she's eight. She doesn't have formal wear, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She has, like, one nice dress, which would have been wildly inappropriate for this occasion. So we were like, honey, just go pick something, pick out something to wear. And she comes back. She loves these, like, she wears these sleeveless synthetic dresses all the time. That's her go-to outfit. Oh, yeah. We buy them in bulk. And the one she picks out has dinosaurs all over it. They're kid dresses, right? They have like dinosaurs or space or, you know, rainbows, whatever. And so she picks out her dinosaur dress. Hell yeah. And we were, <laughs> we were like, okay, you know, uh, Rachel and I are talking about it in front of her. It's like, that seems, okay, sure. That, that's as appropriate enough. And she goes, yeah, they're extinct too. <laughs> Which she was-, was thinking- about it. She was really putting thought into her outfit. Yes. She was trying. I Aww. know. And we also had to say, you're allowed to say this to precisely nobody Yeah, <laughs> at this service, despite the fact that also everybody there, you know, it's a Jewish funeral. People have a good sense of humor yeah, about things, yeah, right? There's yeah. like a big part of Judaism is gallows humor. And yeah. so people would have thought it was very funny, but still we said yeah. like, we're going to hold off on that comment. And also- 
you cannot just tell people how excited you are to go to Nintendo World later in the day. Because <laughs> the last thing I wanted at this funeral was, you know, this little kid being like, and today's going to be the best day ever because we get to go to Bowser's Castle. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, okay, so, and actually, shockingly for an eight-year-old, she remembered and listened and she wow. did not mention it to anybody. So, yeah. She's very intelligent. She's I am very, so impressed by her. Kid. Every time I see her, she is just more and more adult. It blows me away. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you guys are doing a great job raising her. You guys are so Thank incredibly you. lucky. Yeah. Honestly. We really are. We got a really wonderful kid who's just fun and funny and smart and excited about life. Actually, I was talking with, I went axe throwing with laser corn last <laughs> night. You know, laser corn from Smosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really sweet guy, and uh, he invited me axe throwing last night. So we went out axe throwing. We were talking about our kids. As you do. And, you know, he has kids with a pretty limited palate. And I was like, we really lucked out on mine because Audrey will eat not anything, but she likes, you know, all sorts of different foods. And she's not just like a chicken fingers and French fries kid. So not only do we have a great personality kid, we have a kid who will like try different foods, which is a really fun thing. <sighs> That's yeah. so great, man. Yeah. She's the yeah. best. Well, what did she think of Mario Land? So did she okay. have a good time? She had a great time. So they did the thing. So they bought the, you know, you can buy the optional like bracelets where you tap yeah. it on stuff. You have not gone yet, right? I haven't gone, but I've watched every YouTube video on it. <laughs> yes. So so have we. We watched all the ones from Japan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they loved it. Because she was uh, surprised, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. And there are all sorts of pictures of her in front of the big Bowser statue and Oh. She loved it. They weren't able to eat there, I guess, because the restaurants were it was still preview, so it wasn't like packed out. I think they were still restricting attendance. It opens, I think, a week from today is the official opening. So they weren't able to go to the restaurants, which they were excited to do, but unfortunately that didn't happen. But the rest of it, Rachel just said it was like so cool and cute, and the design is awesome. Aww. And I think there's only two rides, mm -hmm. and they said those were both fun, but it's like the Star Wars land, you know, yeah. it's like the experience of being there. It's more about that than the rides. Yeah. Everybody's like going to it, expecting it to be like a day long thing. Meanwhile, it's supposed to be just a small part of your day experience. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Um, so expectations are very high. I remember that happened when Star Wars land opened. Yeah. But right. I can't wait to go. I'm super yeah. excited. I'm Me too. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Afterwards, you got to go to Disney, right? Yes. So I took Audrey because I think we've said this. We said it in some capacity in the episode with Aaron a few weeks ago, but we're leaving for Texas for a few weeks to do a new Starbomb album. So I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks. We indirectly said it. Yes. <laughs> yes. We indirectly said it. And I wanted to have one, you know, dad daughter day. So I took Audrey to Disney, which first of all, the kid went to two theme parks in three days, which is this like, kid is so lucky. <laughs> oh, this kid is so lucky. I was like, you know, honey, when I was growing up, we had to fly to get to places like this. They were not within driving distance. And she's just oh, like, yeah. well, okay, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, I took her to Disney, just me and her on Tuesday. And that was great. Which is her favorite theme park? Disneyland. You know, we've never done the Florida ones. We will someday. Yeah. And that's going to be like a family trip type ordeal because like that's right. you got to spend at least four days there. Yeah, because we'd want to do for little kids. Epcot isn't as great. Yeah. Oh, it's boring to kids. That's only good for adults. I remember being a kid and going to Epcot and thinking like, like the design is cool, 
but kids don't care about the around the world or what is that? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. The lagoon. It's the uh, walking around the world. Yeah. Yes. Whereas as an adult going, I don't know, it was like five years ago or something. I went for the first time in 30, whatever years I was like, whoa, that's the best part is like the, all the different countries. It was so cool. It changes as you get older for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So someday we'll go out to do all the Disney Florida stuff. She's getting to that age. I feel like that's like a teenager age. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have any plans to go this year, but maybe next nine's a good age. Oh my God. She's going to be a teenager soon. (laughs) Yeah. She, she's going to be, so she'll be nine in May, which is nuts. And then we're four years away from. It's preteen territory, baby. Oh yeah. (sighs) That's when shit gets real out here. That's like big feelings. That's like when like boys come into the picture. (laughs) Oh, no. Yes. Although already <laughs> she <laughs> she did this thing yesterday. Actually, this is very mature of her. She gets scared pretty easily by like movies and TV. And so she and another kid in her class, they formed a scary story club so that they could tell each other scary stories. So a few things that came out of that was that I guess she and her friend like to use the word hot a lot to describe everything, which, okay. It's a kid thing, yeah. It's a kid thing. But she has, to overcome her fear of scary stories, started telling scary stories, which Aww. is the ultimate experience in grueling horror, I guess. Dude, yeah. she's yeah. doing exposure response therapy. She's I know, right? Yeah. facing her fears. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. Without even knowing it, she's doing therapy. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Here's a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. when do you remember like friend drama kicking in, in school? Mm. I feel like as someone who had three older brothers and an identical twin sister, I always had family drama, right. um, <laughs> friend drama yes. though started probably in middle school, I think. Okay. Like, so that okay. would be like sixth grade. Yeah. Sixth that's when grade. like, you know, we started forming cliques. You know, I feel like that's yeah. when the clicks kind of started. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're seeing hints of it already. Even in second grade, it was sort of starting. And in third grade now, it's there's full on drama. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a you never know what you're being told and how that conforms to reality. Audrey also has a flair for the dramatic. So, yeah. you know, we believe what she tells us. But there's always a question of like, how much of this is being like. Yeah. Kids dramatized. Yeah, Exactly. She told us a story the other day. She was like, let me make up a kid's name. I don't know, Beth. She was like, Beth and I were sitting on the on the play structure and she was watching something on her computer. And I said, she wasn't supposed to do that. And then I went and got a teacher. So she's telling us this little thing, something like that. And then at the end of it, real quiet, she goes, and also I punched her. Oh. And we were like, what? <laughs> she was like, I was pretend punching her. And then I accidentally punched her a little bit. And we were like, oh my God. A thing I've told her many times, which is don't pretend punch people because precisely that might happen. And the kid wasn't like hurt. It was like a, you know, glancing thing or whatever. But what she chooses to emphasize in any given story is always. She's learning her boundaries. She's definitely like recognizing which things will get her in trouble when she tells you versus when she tells her friends. So she's noticing that now for sure. Like she wasn't sure to keep that part to herself completely yet, though. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one one of the things I do love about her. Which she is like She's scrupulously so honest, honest yeah. very honest. And and I was like this as a kid too. Even if I know it's going to get me in trouble, I'm bad at lying. 
Mm. And certainly as a kid, I couldn't keep anything from my parents ever. Yeah. Maybe a little bit as a teenager, but also I was like, I was not doing stuff my parents wouldn't have approved of as a teenager. I was a, you know, a pretty introverted nerd. So uh, I think she, she was like me. Rachel was the same way. Like, can't keep anything from from our parents. So she will say things even if it's like going to kind of get her in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a good way to be too, you know, honestly. Yeah. I I feel like lying starts off because it's like an attention getting behavior, right? So like Mm -hmm. if you don't ever feel the need for that attention getting behavior, you're not going to exhibit it. So it sounds like you guys just didn't have to worry about that. No. A lot of parenting is like setting up trends for the future. And so we're half, you know, anticipating there will be a time as a teenager where she makes some bad decision and, and then maybe she finds herself in a tough situation. And we have always told her, like, you tell us the truth. We will always be there for you. Even if we're like upset, <laughs> we are always yeah. there and you can always tell us the truth. So if you ever need us to like help you, we are here to help you. Like she sneaks out of the house and goes to some party and then needs someone to pick her up. Yeah. Okay. We will go pick her up. And we want her to know that. You know, and that's not going to happen for many years, hopefully, but. Yeah, but you're building that rapport now. Yeah, that's, that's right. really good. That's right. She knows that she can come to you guys if she needs you. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like, that's what kids need. Like, I hear so much today about missteps in communication and parenting where, like, I feel right. like there's a big emotional disconnect where people seem to be stuck on the past. I mean, I remember my mom used to tell me all kinds of like parenting advice when I was a kid where they're like, you let the kid cry it out for like the first few months in the crib to like break them and then they won't, you know, cry anymore or whatever. Or like, Mm -hmm. I know some cultures do like blanket training where they like put a baby on a blanket and they'll like hit the baby if they get off the blanket. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Like (laughs) it's amazing to see how far we have come in just emotional knowledge on how to raise children and how formative those beginning years are. I feel like Mm -hmm. that is something that's really happened in our generation and I hope continues on. And I see a lot of like generational curses being broken that way right now. Totally. Because people are more aware of of mental health now than they were certainly when, even when I was growing up, my parents, I think were not aware of it basically at all. My parents were great parents, but I don't think they ever thought about mental health issues or like, I don't think they ever asked themselves, what is this going to do to my kids' mental health? You know, mm-hmm. in a way that Rachel and I do. And I think a lot of modern parents do as well. So yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we're asking that question. And, you know, even as parents, you're constantly screwing up. It's just part of the deal. It's impossible yeah. to be a perfect parent. But as long as you are willing to, this is something I think about a lot too with Audrey is I try not to paint myself as, I know everything, right? I try to say frequently, if I'm wrong about something, I'll say, look, or if I don't know, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Let's look it up. And if I make a mistake, if I get something wrong, I will be the first person to say, actually, I was wrong about that. You know, admit error. I'm not infallible. And I want her to know that because the other thing I want is for her to have a sense of critical thinking and exploration and not just trust authority figures blindly. Right. No one, no one is right all the time, uh, at least of all me. So I really want her to think about the world that way. That critical thinking is super important to learn, especially at such a young age. Yeah. I'm so glad that this next generation is coming up like that. I think we're going to see big changes. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. It's interesting to see other kids in her class and, you know, everyone has their own struggles and blah, blah, blah. But in talking to other parents, people are more or less on the same page, I think, about yeah. this, more or less. No. Well, I mean, we also live in California, so like I feel like Indeed. it's a little bit different here versus like yes. other states where it might be a little bit more closed off and reserved. Yeah, and I think it depends on, you know, the specific school and just a combination of people too. But yes, obviously California is a pretty liberal place yeah. overall. Yeah, we live in Los Angeles <laughs> County area, so like, yeah, it's pretty nice all things considered. I would consider Yeah. So. I think so, too. I think it's great out here. I feel very blessed to live in California compared to Florida. California has been very kind to us. Yeah, totally. I loved many parts of New Jersey, but yeah. I would probably not move back to New Jersey as an adult. Yeah. I wanted to say for people who are listening and maybe like more like I am where they had a difficult like upbringing, hearing stories about how amazing you are with Audrey might be kind of hard to hear because they didn't get mm -hmm. experiences like that growing up. And if you are like that and feeling that, I have a great tip yes, um, that I learned in therapy and it's called reparenting. Mm -hmm. And it's basically where you get to reparent your inner child and just teach yourself the things that you maybe didn't learn as a kid. And like, this sounds so silly, but it actually did a lot for me when I was depressed and helped me bring out of my depression. Just like watching videos on YouTube about how to make a bed, how to wash a car, mm -hmm. even like updated videos on how to brush your teeth. Cause like I've learned all oh, kinds of things. I had too. great parents and I was taught how to brush my teeth wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. how to brush your teeth. I mean, there's always new techniques coming up too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like there's so many things that you can learn, like how to fold a fitted sheet. That you I don't know. You might not have learned as a kid. Yeah. So reparenting is a huge tool you can take for yourself. If maybe you didn't learn these things as a kid, take that into your own hands and then give mm -hmm. yourself that knowledge because knowledge is power, kids. That's right. And this is Late Night with yeah. Brian White. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Brian Weck. And for one final episode, we have your guest co-host, Susie. Hi, Susie. Hi, everybody. You might know me from Game Grumps or from Kitty Cat Gaming or my store, Psychic Circle Oddities. I am a feminist, taxidermist, witch, and a card-carrying Satanist. That's great. <laughs> Yes. Hi, welcome. And it's it's my last episode, so uh, we were just going to do just one where it's just us for this one. Yep, just just so we get a chance to chat, yeah. And hopefully your lovely viewers will stay tuned because next week, hopefully, Leighton will be back. So Yes, that's the plan. That. That's yeah. the plan right now, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to like, you know, set off any alarms or anything, but we're hoping it happens next week. So fingers yes. crossed, yeah. I want to talk about the Satanism <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. Is there a particular branch of Satanism that you oh, identify as or just nah, I don't know. Yeah. I would just consider myself like a secular Satanist. I really love everything that they stand for, all of their tenets. Everyone thinks it's all like super devil Blood worship, orgies. babies yeah. eating, whatever. Right. But if you actually go through the tenets of it, it's all about like self-respect, being kind to yourself and others and just learning. And honestly, who couldn't be behind that? 
I really love the things I've been doing for women's reproductive rights and just trying to get the word out and just get information out to people. I really appreciate them for that. And yeah, I just think it's really cool and a great way to get information out. So I don't know anything about Satanism beyond just, you know, having friends who are Satanists. If you're a Satanist, how do you reconcile the whole like hell and damnation part of it with all the good stuff? I would say it's more of like an attention getting thing because so much of religion is just shoved down everybody's throat and made part of American society, even though we're supposed to be a separation of church and state. So it's just kind of a tongue in cheek making fun of that. Right. And I mean, honestly, I think that's where it started and it's just kind of stuck. But I don't know too much on that. I don't want to speak too much on that. No, no, that's fair. I I recently, a couple months ago, started following a great Twitter account. I think, let me make sure I'm, I'm saying this right. So the, the handle of this account is at Jew who has it all. Mm-hmm. And this account, the woman who tweets from it is tweeting from an alternate universe in which the dominant culture in the U.S. is Judaism and not Christianity. Yeah. And so she does this great thing where she's like, you know, a lot of people out there, you might have a couple Christians that you know, and they have these (laughs) weird holidays. And here's just a little bit about, you know, what is Easter? Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And she uses, you know, Jewish terms to talk about these things and relate them to various Jewish holidays. It's fucking awesome because it does exactly this thing you're talking about where, yes, religion is shoved down our throat, specifically Christianity in this country. And I think it's so interesting just as like, Let's try to imagine a universe which is just a little close, yeah. but it's a little different. And what if we were using, you know, Hebrew words for things and blah, blah, blah. I really, really like it. And sometimes she'll have these long like threads for like, what do you do if you're having a Christian over for dinner? What can they eat? You know, that kind of stuff. I love it. It's really, really great. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Any type of like peek into other people's lives or, you know, just lifestyles, I think is so interesting. And that is a reality for someone out there. If you go to Israel, I mean, the overwhelmingly dominant culture in Israel is Judaism. So, you know, pretty much any minority group you can think of in this country has a place in the world where they are the majority. Yeah. Right. I like these kind of thought experiments. Yeah. Alternate views of the dimension that we currently live in. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I have actually made a pilgrimage out to the Satanic Temple in Salem, Massachusetts, Uh and uh got to go on a tour of the house. And they had a lot of amazing art on exhibit of different Satanists that had painted hanging up. And they've had this amazing, gigantic Baphomet statue that you could sit on to like sit in his lap and like take a photo. Who is Baphomet? Is that a demon? He's basically the representation for Satanism. He's a god, a deity. He's half goat, half man. You usually see him like, you know, in the pose. Oh, and- okay. Yes. I yeah, know yeah, yeah. Is. Yes. Yeah. This has like coagula on his arm. And yeah, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's got boobs, I think. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty cool. that sounds right. Yeah, he's all about diversity. But yeah, so they have a big statue of him. I might be quoting this wrong. I think that they originally had made that statue to go outside of some courthouse because- Oh, right, yes. They they like did some like huge Christian 
like, freedom uh, of religion like, thing. Yes. Like a, like tenants of the Bible thing or something. I think it was a 10 commandments. It was a big yeah, 10 commandments uh, outside of the courthouse. Thing. And they yes. were like, well, that's not fair. So we want to have something that represents our religion too. So they made the statue and of course they kicked it out. So now they right, have it course. in their statuary. Yeah. I, I like with these freedom of religion type things. <laughs> I, I always like it when people are like, well, how about a Quran? Yeah. And then people get all oh, no. like, no, 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 no. Well, okay. So it's not really freedom of religion. It's about you want a Christian thing here. Yeah. But I also don't really ascribe to Christian religion. That's why I definitely would call myself a witch on that sense. I'm very woo-woo and spiritual with like witchy stuff. So I'm a Satanist witch. Yeah. So it's a fun I combo. Think that's great. And that is... <laughs> Not redundant. There are many types of witches, and Satanist oh, yeah. witch is just part of that. Yeah, yeah. And I know yeah. We, we, you and I have talked about this on this show. Oh, you could be a Christian witch if you wanted to. Like, there's, sure. it's just about incorporating the spirits in nature, and just I see it as practicing gratitude and just mm-hmm. putting out into the universe what you want to happen. So mm-hmm. it's really special to me. Yeah. <laughs> what is the difference between witch and Wicca? So Wicca was the original term, I think, started in 1955 by Gerald Gardner, and he is considered the father of witchcraft. He was not the first witch, but he was, I believe, the first to have publicized it publicly about what witchcraft was. He claimed that he had been in the woods and fell asleep and three women were there and they taught him the ways of the witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And that was this book that he put out. And you can still buy this book online. Just look up Gerald Gardner and I think it's called like The Way of the Witch or something like that. You can still read it to this day. It's huge in England. And that was the start of it. So Wicca was just this magic practice of incorporating basically all of the spiritual forces and nature into your life. And then witchcraft has been, I would say something that's kind of come up more recently as a term for Wicca. A lot of people don't like to be called Wicca if they're a witch because they're like, I don't like all of the like spiritual stuff. I don't like doing that stuff. I just like Uh doing what I like to do. A lot of people like to be just like, I'm just a witch. But personally to me, Wicca and witch are interchangeable. I really don't see a difference in my mind. Okay, cool. Here's something I'm always curious about. Favorite witch representations in pop culture? Like wh- wh- who are your love who are your go tos? Of course, I, you love Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Everything about you, Susie, and I say this with an extreme amount of love, screams. I like Hocus Pocus. Every single thing about you. Anything Halloween themed is like my heart explodes. I grew up on like super campy Halloween movies, so Hocus mm-hmm. Pocus has always like had a really special place in my heart. It was always like one of my family growing up, like top movies when we would watch whenever we wanted to celebrate Did the you holiday. Watch- the sequel. I did. And I liked it. I thought it was good and it had a good heart to the story, but it did not hold a candle to the original. The original had like such a unique soundtrack and they just reused the soundtrack in the second movie, which I get they're trying to like recapture the feeling from the first movie. But like, I miss that big budget, like weirdness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Where they let artists just do whatever they want. And it created Mm -hmm. this like masterpiece. But yeah, I really recommend anyone who's interested in witchy stuff and Hocus Pocus, go check out Salem, Massachusetts. You got to go for a weekend, see the filming locations, see where the Salem witch trials were, see the graves are still there. It's cool. It's it's cool history. Yeah. 
And honestly, it's a fucking bop. Like they have converted Salem into this like, it's like my people. It's like Halloween <laughs> goth town. Yes, like yes, literally yes. like all of the stores are witch stores, like goth clothing yeah. stores, like bookstores, crystal stores, like you name it, weird shit is there and I am here for it. So we go every year for... um the week before Halloween and we just really enjoy it. That's awesome. It, it's really great actually to go to that part of the country and see all the revolutionary and pre-revolutionary stuff. Cause there is so much of it, you know, in that part of the world around oh, yeah, Massachusetts, history. Rhode Island, you know, everything over there. Like obviously, you know, the original 13 colonies, there's stuff all up and down. I grew up with colonial stuff in Jersey, you know, we would do field trips and stuff, but there's something very specifically about the New England colonial stuff that just is cool. You know, you can go to oh, Lexington yeah. and Concord, see all that stuff. And in Boston, you can't, throw a rock without hitting some random ass fucking colonial thing that's been there for, you know, 250 or whatever years. It's pretty great. We see in this like old air B&B, like wooden Victorian once mm -hmm. in Salem. And of course it was built in like the 1800s. It was a historic right. landmark and all this stuff. But you go inside and Aaron had to like crouch to get through every doorway. People oh, were yeah. so much smaller back then. The steps yes, on the stairs were. were so tiny and like everything you had to be like, I was perfectly high sized, but Aaron had an awful time. I, I had a friend <laughs> uh, when I was living in Boston who it wasn't his house. It was his girlfriend's house, but she had this house where like the bedrooms were upstairs and then the bathrooms were all downstairs and there was a very steep staircase with a very low ceiling. And this guy was big and he had to like duck underneath every time he wanted to get up and pee in the middle of the night. And he was like, I have sustained so many head injuries yes. from this fucking overhang right here. Cause he gets out of bed middle of the night, has to walk downstairs to pee. He's like six, four or whatever. And just, Bam! Every single time. Just need to do like the cartoon cutout of just like his head shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I love those weird old colonial houses. And then, and part of me is like, oh man, wouldn't it be great? And then I just think about what it would cost to keep up a house yeah. like that and have to deal yeah. with the plumbing and all that stuff. And there's like no guarantee there's a ghost, you know? No, unfortunately not. You'd hope. Yeah. But, you know, like, especially like if it's like that old, like you would think there would be at least one person who had died in that house. But right. Yeah. But you never know. Me. But yeah, I love Boston, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just out there less than a month ago for the first time in a few years. It was well, I guess. Sorry. We, we toured through there, but didn't have too much time to hang out. But yeah, I love that city. There's so much cool stuff. When I was a kid, that was like my that's the place I want to live. Because of, you yeah. know, it's got Harvard, it's got MIT, it's a big like university town on top of all the cultural stuff. And oh, that's yeah. where Rachel and I met, you know, it was a big part of my artistic and personal life. Yeah. I uh, still have a lot of friends. Boston's comedy scene is, it's cool because it's not very big, but a lot of people kind of come through there on their way to elsewhere. So we met wow. some really fun comedy people some of whom are now out here in LA and New York and stuff. So I like the Boston comedy scene a lot. Yeah. It's present, but not overwhelming. Yeah. I love that side of the country. Yeah. I don't know if I could do the cold though. It's too much. It's pretty fucking cold. The worst part is the, you know, there's always one at least big storm every year and you have to like dig out your car. And <laughs> yeah. do you know the thing about like the traffic cones? 
no. and, and digging out cars. So people have this thing. Technically, this is illegal, but people still do it anyway, where, okay, so imagine there's a big snowstorm. Yeah. And, you know, then the snow plows come through and they push all the snow to the side, then it covers all your cars. And then you spend, you have to spend hours digging at your car and you can't wait because if you wait too long, it'll freeze. And yeah. then your car is completely fucked until it thaws. So uh, pretty soon after a snowstorm, you got to get out there and like dig your car out. And this can take a long time if there's a lot of snow. This is, of course, if you have street parking, like, yeah. which many people, if not most people in Boston do. So you spent hours digging your car out. Now you're going to drive away because you got to go somewhere. So here's the question. Why should some other asshole get your parking space that you dug out? <laughs> so what people will do is they'll put a traffic cone down that to claim ownership of this space. Yeah. If you fuck with those traffic cones, you are dead. <laughs> now, technically, this is illegal. It's a public, you know, it's a st yeah. public street. Anyone could take that space. But so help me God, if you take someone else's space in Boston, they will kill you. It's legal, but frowned upon. <laughs> yes. And probably the police would be like, you know, well, look, you took the guy's space. So you kind of had it coming, you know, like. He would look yeah. the other way for sure. Yeah. He'd be like, I oh. don't want to deal with this mess. Yeah. yeah you guys exactly. sort it out on your own time. Dig, yeah. Digging out those cars, oh, that is such a pain in the ass. And then you got to deal with the salt and like uh -huh. shoes that can handle, like not slipping everywhere. Oh my God. I, yeah. I'm going to have to figure out how to deal <laughs> with gets, cold weather. It gets pretty extreme. Nowhere I've ever lived, and I haven't lived there, but I have visited in the winter, is, is as bad as uh, Minnesota. If you think Boston is cold, it doesn't look candle to Minnesota. <laughs> when was the coldest you've ever been in your life? Was it in Minnesota? No, honestly, it was probably the the year I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, because uh, mm -hmm. I would walk to work and that was like a 20 minute walk from my house. <laughs> and it was so cold that you would walk outside and your nose hairs would freeze. Yeah. Like instantly. And so I strategically, it's not that long. It was a 15, 20 minute walk, but you know, I had a five minute walk to the nearest coffee shop. Okay. So I'd walk to the coffee shop and get a coffee, go in and get a coffee. You know, and then you could figure out, okay, if I go on this building on campus, I can get a few more minutes inside where it's not super cold. But that that's probably the coldest. You never forget the coldest you've ever been, I feel. No. And of course, then you can't bike because it's, you know, the streets are fucked with snow half the time. But I love it, Ann Arbor. It's a great town. You know, a really, really fun, cool place to live. I was only there for a year. But those like January walks to the physics department from no. my house were like, oh, 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 baby, pretty brutal. The coldest I ever been was I was visiting my friend Evelyn Smolders. You guys might know her as Girl Gamer Gab in yes, her house in Japan and uh, Tokushima when she lived there a couple of years ago now. And it was this traditional Japanese paper house. And it was freaking like negative well three outside. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and not well insulated. And I remember we went to bed and I just had like this like traditional Japanese like tatami bed like covering me and just like being uh -huh. like, holy shit, I will never be this cold again. In my How life. do they do it? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess you get used to it after a certain point. You got to oh remember, I'm a Florida girl who moved to California. I've never right, dealt right. with cold weather. <laughs> Anything below 60 is too cold for me. So yes. I was just like, I've never been this cold in my life. I've never forgotten it. Like, 
everything in Japan is different. You know, they have like those tables that have the heater underneath the table and then a blanket over it. So they had one of those and oh my God, that was heaven. Like Mm -hmm. getting out of the cold bed and then jumping underneath the Kotatsu table with the blanket was so warm and just drinking coffee and warming up heaven. So that's awesome. I don't know. But yeah, the houses there, they're built to be torn down every 30 years or something. Oh, is that true? I didn't realize that. There's something about they're not allowed to create value from property in Japan. And also because of earthquake laws and things, laws change right. so frequently. Houses well, that's interesting. I didn't are know made that. of like unique materials. So yeah, they, they're supposed to be torn down and rebuilt. And it's apparently not too expensive to build a house in Japan because of these things. But the waiting list is pretty hmm. long. So I don't to, know. To like get a house and build it? Yeah. Well, like also like they're doing things right now in Japan where they're like basically paying people to move to rural towns because Mm -hmm. all of these kids are finishing college and moving to mainland like Tokyo and leaving these rural towns behind. And there's this aging population that needs workers. And Japan has a negative birth rate too, right? Yeah. They've been selling more adult diapers than baby diapers for over seven years in a row now. Yeah. I know they have a big population issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the work culture, I believe. Like, I think that like, if there was some way where people could actually like take care of their children and not be so overburdened with working, you know, this like 12 hour workday schedule, I think people might be able to have a life, but you know, I think we'll get there someday. We're working towards it as a a whole (laughs) in this world. Yeah. Gab is Dutch. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So she's used to cold. Yeah, the Dutch, surprisingly, I didn't know, have a huge history with Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they were like one of the first, um, like, other cultures they allowed into Japan. They gave them their Mm -hmm. own island that they let them all live on. just outside of Nagasaki, yes. Yeah, they helped Japan figure out dams and build them. Gab explained all of it to me. It was really fascinating. I don't know if you remember, a few years back, I recommended a book to you. It's a David Mitchell book called The Thousand Autumns of Jakob Dessert which takes place in, I think, the late 1700s or something like that, where just as Japan is allowing outside cultures in, and it is about these Dutch people that live just, you know, on their private little area outside of Nagasaki, and this Dutch guy falls in love with a Japanese woman, and it's this whole, like... Yeah, I, love I remember David you Mitchell. talking about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's where I learned all about it. I had no idea until I read this book. And, you know, it's like historical fiction, but it's really fucking cool. We don't learn this stuff in American schools. Yeah. Like there's so much cool facts out there we don't learn about. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we move on to some segments? Uh, You want to talk about what's popping? I always want to talk about what's popping. So, Susie, you, you may remember this segment from previous episodes of this show. Yes. This is our pop culture recommendation segment. It's where you get to talk about something you've been enjoying recently, a book, a movie, a video game. Culture both high and low are appropriate for this segment. It does have a a theme song, which I think, you know, often we had guests on who talk about what they think of the theme song, but I have yet to really hear you kind of get into it. So before I play the theme song, I just want to hear kind of mentally where you're at with yeah. this segment and this theme song before we we go on. I really love the segments. I think that they're fun and it breaks up the podcast because sometimes it can get kind of like, you know, like heavy. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like the segments mm-hmm. make it light again right before the end. I really like how you say what's popping 
And then Leighton says, what's poppin'? Mm -hmm. That happens frequently, yes. And I feel like it's a little bit incorrect right now because I'm here and Leighton's not. So maybe we should have done like another like recording where I say what's poppin'. But, you know, maybe we can fix that in post. I don't know. That's, that's all you I know what? Say. If you give me here, give it to me clean. <laughs> give me just a clean what's poppin'. And then I will make a what's poppin' theme song with that. So just <laughs> give, give me one. Count to three in your head. And then okay. give me a what's poppin'. And you I guys say it so deadpan, song. though. Can I say it like upbeat? You can say it however you like. I think it would be really funny in contrast to your guys' deadpan what's poppin'. You okay, can ready? say it how, however you want. What's poppin'? Great. Okay. okay. I will put that in the what's poppin' theme song, and we'll, we'll have a special one time only, you and me, what's oh poppin' God, theme song you. for this episode. Wow. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> It's the least. It's the least I can do. I will be uh, in a bride with kind the original. <laughs> yeah. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Susie, what's poppin'? I mentioned at the beginning of my introduction, I work on a store called Psychic Circle Oddities, mm-hmm. and I last year or maybe at the beginning of this year, I started making different spell kits for my store because people were always asking me like how to get into witchcraft. And I would always recommend books, but then, you know, in the books, like it's like so many ingredients, people are like, I don't have any of the shit. Like, where do I start? I want something a little bit easier. So I started making these spell kits and they've been so much fun. I have been getting so much good feedback. They're so just like, artistically rewarding to make and just planning my future ones has been a lot of fun. So I know we just passed Valentine's Day, but I wanted to show my Valentine's Day kit. Oh, yes, please. Which, you know, they make your own like spellcraft bottles. And I also have like a witch's poppet doll kit where you get to make your own little like witch's doll stuffed with like herbs according to whatever spell you would like to cast. But yeah, like I have so many more things coming out according to that. And it's just been so much fun making them and planning them. And that's kind of where my heart's been at lately. So that's what's popping for me. I love it. That's awesome. Ah. (laughs) What about you? Cool. What's popping for me? I just finished a podcast series, and I actually might be doing more, but I'm not sure. Uh, have you heard of the Dead Eyes podcast? No. Can we talk about this? So it's Connor Ratliff's podcast. He is a comedian actor type of person. And here's the the story behind the podcast. It's got a lot of press last year for reasons that I will tell you shortly. So he goes out about 20 years ago. He's an actor fresh out of drama school in London. And gets cast in Band of Brothers, the Tom Hanks miniseries about World War II. Wow. In a tiny role. It's like a one episode, few lines kind of thing. And then after he gets cast, his agent calls him back and says, actually, you, you need to come in again. They want to see you again. And he goes in in real auditions and then gets cut from the thing and is told it's because Tom Hanks said he had, quote, dead eyes. <laughs> and okay. okay so this podcast is to frame it as he's trying to figure out why he got cut that would be to do it a disservice basically it's him talking to other people in the entertainment industry and he's a lot of cool people on the show people you know i mean who's been on it uh darcy carden john ham a, a bunch of comedy type people i think bobby moynihan was on one and it's him 
just talking to people about what a career in entertainment is, about failures they've gone through, things where you're on top of the world and then suddenly the rug gets pulled out from under you. And it did it in seasons. First season was 2020, came out like kind of, I think just around the pandemic. And they just finished the third season fairly recently, culminating with him finally talking to Tom Hanks uh, at the end. (laughs) On the way, he talks to Colin Hanks. And it's really fun. The framing device of the dead eyes thing, it kind of gets lost. I mean, he keeps referring to it, but it becomes secondary to him just talking to people about their careers in entertainment and rejections they've had. It's really great. He's a very, very funny guy. The, the final conversation with Tom Hanks is just fucking great. Oh my and God. Tom Hanks seems like he deserves his reputation as being a super kind, wonderful person because he shows up and has this very emotionally honest and open conversation. And of course, he has no memory of this event whatsoever, you know, which which makes sense. Also, the big question is, why would anyone tell an actor that? Like, what a fucking horrible (laughs) thing to say to someone, right? Maybe he didn't think they'd hear it. Oh, no. He he had someone call him and say, you've been cut because Tom Hanks said you have dead eyes. Like, this was not like, oh, he overheard something. He was very specifically called by his agent's assistant and told this. So, Jesus they, Christ. They I, you know, I've this. always been treated badly, though, by like people in the business, though. Like, whenever I did like modeling jobs and stuff, I would be like waiting for my ride to pick me up and they'd be like, you should really look into teeth whitening. Your teeth are really yellow. Oh, my you know? God. And, you know, yeah. like they'd say shit like that. I don't think there's a filter there. So no, I think that that's just maybe like how it's just communicated more blatantly. It's not kind. And, you know, as he talks about, I don't want to give anything away, but he talks about with Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks says, says, look, if it's me and my producers and we're watching like footage, we're going to say shit that actors, the people on screen should never hear. Hmm. We're saying stuff because we need to be brutally honest in that room, in the editing room, like not Mm -hmm. in front of people. And it should be things that the people we're talking about should never hear. And it's not because they're cruel, because it's like, what is going to look good on screen? Like they need to be able to say shit like that person's teeth look too yellow in that shot. Why don't we get a different shot? It's all about their artistic vision. Yeah, that's right. And it's about, you know, Sometimes you'll just say things as a shorthand. Like, does dead eyes mean dead eyes? No, it probably means something else. It probably means that's not the right actor for that part or whatever. So Hanks says, I think correctly, that that should never have been communicated, even if he used that language. And he's like, I'm sure I did. If someone said that to you, I'm sure I said that. And I will freely admit that that's something I probably said and would have said in that role in that time. But that should never have been told to an actor. Because then it becomes demoralizing and awful. Well, yeah, because then you become fixated on it. That becomes your obsession. He he was talking to someone else on the podcast, and he was like, have I ever told you that story before? And this the person he was talking to, she said, actually, it's the first thing you ever told me when we met. So he's been like fixated (laughs) on this for 20 years or whatever. Yeah. But it's an interesting series. He talks to a lot of cool people. And it's a fun listen. It's it's about, I think it's 31 episodes, you know, divided into three seasons of 10, 10, and 11 episodes. Really worth listening to. I think they're doing a fourth season, although I don't know why. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is like, am I ever going to talk to Tom Hanks about this? 
I can't believe he was open to coming on a podcast like that. He's such like a big celebrity. That's amazing that he made time for that. Yeah. And as Connor Ratliff talks about, like there's a chance that the whole thing feels thirsty or he's trying to do a hit job on Tom Hanks. And that's clearly not the case if you listen to the thing, but it's very easy if you hear about the the summary of this to think mm. there's an angle to that, that maybe isn't so nice, but yeah. it is a testament to Tom Hanks's, you know, openness and his son was on one of his sons Chet? and talked to the guy. And so, no, not, not Chet, <laughs> uh, Colin, but yeah, like Tom Hanks talked to enough people who had like had experience with it and listened to it and were kind of into it to know that it was not like some kind of weird gotcha thing. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine after a certain point, like, you know, it started catching up steam and I'm sure like his publicist was like, hey, maybe you might want to like address this. Oh, it got a lot of press <laughs> yeah. last year. It made like best podcast of the year lists and stuff. It certainly had got a lot of good PR. Honestly, once they got Tom Hanks, it was like, well, okay. It means it's, it's probably pretty good. So I, I really enjoyed it and I highly recommend it. And that's what's popping. Hell Yeah. Would you like to move into the next segment? I would. We have peaches and lemons coming up now, guys. If you don't know what the peaches and lemons game is, I'm going to break it down. Peaches are going to be the things that you're grateful for and show gratitude for. And then your lemon is going to be the one thing that's really bringing you down right now. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. I say let's start with our lemons. Great. My lemon is, I mean, it's a big one. Uh, it's the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Um, oh, seeing all of the news, it's been really hard. Yeah, if you can donate, even small amounts are great. Watching all these videos has been like super heartbreaking and just very upsetting. Um, so yeah, huge lemon. Yeah. Huge lemon, a devastating one. I mean, yeah. thousands and thousands dead, just terrible. Yeah. I mean, just any kind of like tragedy like that really like hits home and just makes you reflect on the important things in life. And yeah, like, I mean, I don't even know if that counts as a lemon, but that was the thing that came to mind when I sat down with my coffee. Oh, sure. I was like, that was the first thing that was like, oh, that's really bothering me right now. Like, yeah, just all the footage and everything. I can't look at that footage. Like I read the articles and I'm not going to look at footage of dead bodies and devastation. Like I know how bad it is from what I read and oh, just uh, yeah, my heart breaks for the people yeah. going through that. The, I have a lemon that's of similar magnitude, actually. It's uh, one of our outdoor faucets has a leak. Oh, and no. I'm not going to say, well, you know what? Yeah. It's almost as bad as yeah. your lemon. I think it's fair to say. No, it, it, this is Did the, the most water company call you and tell you it was leaking. Yeah. No, like it's right in front of our house. And I, I tried to fix it. And I was like, I can't fucking do that. I get so anything with electrical or water. I'm like, I'm going to fuck this up. If I try to even touch this. Oh, don't uh, even risk it. So, yeah. No, no, no. Like I watched YouTube video, how to fix a leaky thing. And they're like, there's two versions of this. That's reparenting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it's leaking from the, handle that's easy if it's leaking from the pipe that's hard it's leaking from the pipe and i was like well fuck this i'm calling a plumber so we have a plumber coming out we have a water crisis in california although it's been pretty rainy recently so that's good but still i don't like the idea of my house leaking water so hopefully it's getting fixed soon yeah everything's so green right now all this rain we got has been amazing i hope it affected the drought water table levels some 
it did a bit. The way that we're set up, it doesn't affect it as much as you would want it to because there's a lot of like infrastructure. For example, we could use better concrete where the water can get absorbed through it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have to fix that if you really want to, you know, replenish the aquifers and stuff like that. So not as much of the water as you would want to get reabsorbed gets reabsorbed, but it's still a good thing to have, you know, periods of, of rain. We need rain. Yeah. So it, it definitely helps. It just doesn't quite help as much as you would hope it would. Yeah. Gosh dang. Well, it was yeah. nice to have a rainy season, at least for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> it's great. We, uh, we planted some California poppies in our front yard and they Aww. are just like, we can see that they're going to like blow the fuck up. When spring yeah. hits, because green is already poking through. It's pretty great. You know, they have that great big poppy bloom every year in California, and people go mm-hmm. for their Instagram pictures. They oh, closed yeah. it down this year. They're not Good. letting anybody go to see it. Yeah. They should. Because it fucks everything fool. up by stomping on it. Yeah. Yeah. I have never been to it personally, but I was like, that's probably a good call. And plus, you can see them growing all over California. You don't have to go. Yeah. You don't need to go stomp on a bunch of flowers. Like, let the flowers just go flower. Yeah. Chill out with your fucking (laughs) Instagram pictures. Like. Okay. That's a pretty good lemon. I mean, yeah. Very comparable on the scale. Um, Of course. (laughs) As for peaches, I got three peaches for you guys. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. First peach. Super thankful for coffee. Mm -hmm. I feel like I really need a caffeine detox. I have not done one in I don't know how many years. I don't know if people even believe in that, but just kind of like resetting your tolerance for coffee. Sure. Of course. I do this pretty regularly where I'll do periods without coffee. I think it's a real thing for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like a real three tablespoon sugar. I got Italian cream in my coffee and mm. I like to do a pour over thing. So like mm. the perfect cup of coffee is that's one of my people. Do you guys have the fancy like the long handled pour over pot where you like. Oh, yeah. Like the teapot. The I have like an electric teapot. Yeah. That I yeah. make the water and then it's just like a little like funnel thing I put on top yep, of the cup. Yep, yep. But yeah, I don't have a coffee machine, but that's okay because pour over is the best way to make coffee. Mm-hmm. My second peach was serendipitously Salem. I was going to talk about mm, Salem, Massachusetts great. as well as my peaches because it's just my happy place. And I really think that they need tourism all year round. If you are interested in the goth, the creepy and the weird, you got to go. You got to go. Check it out. It's like definitely a pilgrimage of a lifetime. And as for my third peach, it's going to be just my lovely, wonderful kittens. I uh, don't know if you guys follow me on TikTok. I recently filmed a video introducing them to Churu for the first time. The like cat treat. It's like a go-gurt, but full of meat for cats. And I filmed them having it for the first time. And they got like all googly-eyed and insane and they loved it. And now I give it to them every other day or so. And it's just such a treat. Yeah. I love my creatures. Awesome. (laughs) How about you, Brian? You got any uh, peaches for us? I do. Um, (laughs) uh, Peach peach number one is another Audrey one. So a couple days ago, she bursts through this door here and she's like, daddy, you have to come with me right now. The new Tears of the Kingdom trailer is out, and it's sick. It's the <laughs> sickest thing I've ever seen. It's so sick. So, you know, we go in the house and we watch it. And my peach is that she's using the word sick all the time to yeah. talk about things she likes. She'll look at anything and be like, that's sick. And it's like I'm living with a little 
you know, skater kid or surfer or something. But I love that she's using the word sick all the time. It's so cute. Yeah, I love it. It's so sick. Daddy, look how sick this is. We continued to raise her in, in England and she would have had like the polite Peppa Pig voice, but now she's I in know. California and she's turning into a skater dude. Yeah. Yes, indeed she is. <laughs> Peach number two is, I don't know why it took me so long to do this. I tried a matcha latte recently and I'm not really a latte person because A, I am lactose intolerant, but you can get them with oat milk or whatever. And I tried an oat milk matcha latte and I was like, fuck, it's good. I like it. Hell yeah. And then I uh, got some matcha powder and I've been making my own matcha lattes out of matcha <sighs> and oat milk. And it's, pre- it's pretty great. I love matcha. You know, you, I recommend trying just a little bit of peppermint in your matcha. It'll really well, make it really refreshing. I See, I like candy canes. Yeah. I hate peppermint coffee and peppermint flavored drinks. Um, so I'm curious. Call, I don't like chocolate chip mint ice cream. So yeah. peppermint flavor in things, I'm often not okay with, but I am also always willing to try things. So I'll give it a shot. That must be tough around the holidays. Everything's peppermint flavored. <laughs> well, yes. So I, I live a cursed life in that I also hate cinnamon and allspice and pumpkin spice and all those spice blends. You hate holidays. I hate fun is what I hate. So I oh. hate the spices that come out around fall. All of those spices, I can't stand the smell. And those persist from, you know, roughly the beginning of October, if not mid-September now, through mid-January. <laughs> those smells I hate. I don't mind the smell of mint. I like mint a lot, but I just don't like the peppermint, like, lattes or whatever, peppermint yeah. coffees, peppermint bark Artificial ice cream. flavoring, oh. maybe. Is that what you don't like? That's a big part of it, actually. I really don't like... Artificial flavorings, artificial fruit flavorings, especially yeah, uh, like cherry. Oh, I hate artificial cherry flavoring. I hate that fake banana that like runs banana flavor. Yeah. That's the worst. It's the absolute worst. Yeah. For some reason, that fake banana flavor tastes like medicine to yeah. me all the time. Oh, just her. So yeah, I don't like good and fun things. I like cold, flavorless misery. You know, it's very right up your alley, Brian. I'm it, it happy is. for my, you to have your brand. new drink. Thank you. Thank you very much. And my final peach is, so this episode is coming out on the 17th, and this is also the day that we have released the first new Ninja Sex Party original song in like three years. <clears throat> Single's out today. It's called I Own a Car, and we have a video animated by Shuchiru. And it's been a long time, the pandemic, we had to completely switch tacks for how we were going to do our next album. And so we, we put out an original album in 2020. We'll have an original album out later this year. And in the meantime, we did, you know, we did our Level Up album where we re-recorded old songs with Twerp. And then we had an acoustic album. But this is our first new original song out in several years. And it feels great to, you know, have something back out and be doing more stuff. And we're going to keep putting stuff out. Thanks. Oh, that's so huge. Wow. Everybody has to go and watch the video. Uh, Link's going to be down below. Um, Congratulations on the new project, Brian. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, It's like so many things we all do. Game Grumps, every, you know, every and everything in the stuff our our friends do. I can't believe it's still happening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way all the time. (laughs) Next year will be NSP's 15th anniversary 
which is crazy because so it feels cool. like last year was our 10th. Uh, and the fact that we are still doing things and putting out music and touring and doing all the stuff, like it's just wild. Yeah. And that everything is still going strong with Grumps, NSP, all the stuff we're all doing. I often tell people when we moved to LA uh, about seven years ago, a little more now, I met with a financial planner and he was like, okay, so tell me about your career. And I was like, well, I'm in this band and I don't know how long it's going to last. And he's like, okay, well, just give me an estimate. And I said, I don't know, two years. <laughs> and that was seven years ago yeah. and things are still, you know, going up. So I, I, I am grateful every day for this career. And of course you and Aaron have been such a huge part of that. If grumps was not a thing, if you guys were not in our lives, I'm, 99.9% .9 confident that I would not have the career I have. So you, you and your husband no and all of our friends in the Grumpsiverse, like what, what can I say? How, how do you, how do you say thank you to someone for literally everything? <laughs> no, you, you have your so. own talent and your own energy that you have really worked so hard to just like shape your own way and your own vision. And it's just so artistic and unique and you're so funny. And so is, you know, Dan and just like, just watching how far you guys have come has been amazing. And I can't wait to see where you guys go in the next, you know, like 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just saying when I was hanging out with uh, laser corn last night, I was saying how much fun it is now that we've all been doing this so long to see people moving on to the next phases of their careers. Mm -hmm. Like talking with Marisha, Last week, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, she's been, she was doing one thing for a while and then Critical Role like poof, blows up in this huge, amazing way. And then it's like, okay, now people are moving on to the the next thing. It is so much fun seeing, you know, all the success you've had with Psychic Circle and everything. Mm -hmm. Like you and I have known each other for close to 10 years now, right? Yeah. Which is crazy, but true. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing how different in a good way all our lives have, have been, it's fun. And a lot of people, you know, who I knew like you and Aaron, who were very successful, very young and now are, you know, in their thirties and going on to other huge successes. It's just awesome to watch this rising mm -hmm. tide lifting yeah. all these fun boats and, you know, people doing different stuff, taking chances, trying new things, not just resting on their laurels with the same shit that they've been doing forever, but actively branching out into new projects, which you've done a ton of, Aaron's done a ton of, Dan, me, like so many people and so many of our friends. It is just the best to see people continuing on with their lives and having all sorts of fun new projects to, to do. Hell yeah, gamer. That's the artist so, spirit. It never yeah. stops. If you stop creating, you're dead. Like the artist That's is right. just always going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to say thank you again for being here for these episodes. It's been so much fun doing yeah, this with you. Like, you know, you and I back in the day did a bunch of Grumps episodes or Grumpkate or whatever, whichever Steam track, whatever it was yeah. back, you know, back in the day. But this is the longest thing. I think even if you add up all those Grumps episodes, this is probably the longest thing you and I have done together. And yeah. it's been awesome. I love it. So thank you for oh, being yeah. here. Uh, no, it's been my pleasure and I'm just so glad to be here and to be even considered for the part. So thank you so much for thinking of me and it has been a blast. I've had so much fun talking to everybody and if anybody would like to continue following me, I am at Mortimer 
on Twitter and on Instagram and my story Psychic Circle Oddities. And yeah, it's just been a blast. Thank you guys so much for having me and for all of the kind comments on on social media and everything. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Do you have any parting words for the listeners as, as we go out here? Definitely to be kind and especially be kind to animals and um, report without hesitation if you see an animal being hurt or a child. Great. Amen. Love it. <laughs> Amen. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs> Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>